Hi, this is Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking in advance of RSA, Asia Pacific, and Singapore with Art Coviello, Executive Chairman of RSA. Art, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Art, we're talking just in advance of the event, and we're about midway through 2014. What would you say are the top security threats of your greatest concern now? Well, I get that question all the time, and it's almost impossible to answer without giving a little perspective. I continue to believe that the biggest threat is is the ones that we uh, that are self-induced. I don't think, uh, and this is pretty well borne out in the Verizon breach report, that companies are doing and organizations are doing enough to understand the risk in their organizations. They're not doing enough to understand the ramifications of all of the technology that they've been absorbing. They're not doing enough to understand the additional risk of going to the cloud and using SaaS applications and mobile applications. And as such, the threats which get ever more sophisticated, the nation states, the criminals, the activists are getting an easier and easier time getting into our organizations, quite frankly, with some of the same old, same old variants of malware. It seems to me that we know more and more about the threats and the attackers today. How is it that organizations and individuals aren't doing enough? Well, there's a couple of reasons for that. The the first and foremost is there's just so much complexity in today's IT infrastructures that it's hard to get your arms around the risk, number one. Number two, we have a critical personnel shortage of qualified people to act in security organizations, and I hear that time and and time again. The other thing is that we don't have uh, enough government help and action in ensuring that we share threat information timely enough to be able to, to help one another out. And finally, in the last six or seven years, as we've absorbed so much of this technology, I believe a technology gap has arisen between our ability to recognize and stop attacks and the threat environment uh, combined with the expansion of the uh, of the attack service. And only now are we starting to bring those technologies online. And as, as a result, we've continued to use traditional perimeter defenses, which are are not useless, but fairly ineffective to a sophisticated attacker. So is that the technology gap, that the the traditional solutions just can't keep up with the sophisticated threats? I I think that's a big part of it, and and I think that's borne out by the amount of venture capital money that's been pouring into the space in the last three or four years and the number of startups that have, uh, have been funded looking for innovative technologies to replace things like antivirus and, and traditional firewalls that, that are easily gotten around. I, I know at RSA in the last couple of years, we've transformed our go-to-market and our products and capabilities with technologies that enable us to detect attacks. Too often we're, we're focused so much on preventing 
that we don't realize that we can't prevent intrusions and we have to detect attacks and intrusions more timely. And much of our investment has gone to bringing next-generation big data-oriented applications to do just that. All right, I want to ask you about the advanced persistent threat. In a lot of ways, you and RSA really raised the industry's awareness to advanced persistent threat a few years back. How have you seen APT evolve in that time? Well, again, I hate to keep harping on this, this issue of the, of the attack service, but we've, we've just made it more and more easy for people to attack third-party supply chains, for people to get access through mobility-type uh, applications. And increasingly, the APTs are, are not necessarily more sophisticated in terms of the actual malware. They're more sophisticated in terms of the, of the time they take, in terms of the research that, that is done. Social media creates a, a tremendous opportunity for uh, attackers to gather intelligence. And really what we've seen is an increase in the amount of time that the attackers with their APT-oriented attacks have inside a corporation to understand exactly what the defenses are, exactly what they're trying to get, uh, and then they go about doing their damage. So we call it dwell time, and the amount of dwell time within companies, I think, has increased markedly. That's why it's so important to shift from these preventative technologies to technologies that can detect that people are inside, that can see anomalies in the flow and use of data, and see anomalies in, in user behavior. So, Art, to come back to the big data analytics, one of the things that we hear consistently from security practitioners is there's so much data, there's so much information on threat intelligence. They have a hard time assimilating it all and being able to act rapidly and effectively. How are your new solutions helping security leaders get over those hurdles? That's a great point. I mean, I, I hear again and again that people are overwhelmed with threat feeds from, from vendors, and the difference between just data dumps of IP addresses and variants of malware is not enough. It's the ability to correlate and spot the signal in, in the noise that there is an attack underway, that there's an anomalous uh, bit of behavior going on. And our technologies extract metadata and correlate and analyze them at speeds that would have been unimaginable just a couple of years ago so that we can make sense out of these vast streams of data and produce really actionable information. It strikes me that the direction of RSA today might have been unimaginable a decade ago. The company really has evolved to, uh, to keep pace with the threats. It absolutely has. And if you look at our own breach, that really galvanized us to action as as never before, we were already heading down this path of being able to to spot and detect attacks. That's why no one ultimately suffered a loss as a result of of our breach, because we were able to see it quickly enough. I'd like to think if if it happened again today that we would have seen it that much more quickly and prevented any theft of information at all. And, I mean, needless to say, we're attacked pretty, uh, pretty regularly, so we have been able to do that. I also think that it's not just being able to analyze the flow and use of data. Identity has gotten to be more and more of an issue as we've moved to the cloud. And our ability to strongly authenticate people and continuously authenticate people, in other words, make sure that it's still them 
that is operating in a session uh, is becoming more and critically important. Use of shadow IT uh, is becoming more and more problematic for, for corporations. The average large corporation now has over 300 SaaS applications that the IT organization is even, isn't even aware of. So it's being able to get your arms around those applications and make sure only the right people are provisioned to use them and that they're deprovisioned when uh, when they're no longer uh, with the company or no longer have uh, have right to that particular application. So identity needs to undergo a, a great transformation, and we're taking our core secure ID technology and the technology we acquired from Sayota in um, in in Israel that allows us to spot anomalous behavior of of, uh, of devices and in transactions and are creating a next-generation identity management in conjunction with uh, the acquisition of Alexa that we did last year, which is uh, identity and access governance, provisioning and deprovisioning capability. All right, this is a good time to segue into a discussion about RSA Asia-Pacific. You're going to kick off the proceedings with a keynote discussion on the topic of United We Stand, Divided We Fall. Now, those of us that are old enough remember that as an anthem from the late 60s, early 70s. What are you talking about when you broach this topic? Well, I'm, I'm actually going to use a metaphor and I'm going to go back a lot, lot further than the 60s. I'm going to go back to the start of World War One and talk about the assassination of, uh, of the Archduke Franz Ferdinand and the fact that we had just entered the modern world from an economic sense. We were interdependent economically as nations as never before, but we had a more sinister interdependency, and that was these uh, alliances that had been created that allowed countries to create a balance of power. But it was those very alliances and that more sinister interdependence that led us into uh, a global war. We are, in, in this age, interdependent as never before with the digital economy. And while the Archduke was assassinated by a Serbian extremist, what I worry about is maybe uh, an extremist from another country using a cyber weapon to create the dynamic that allows for a kinetic cyber attack that might create uh, an impetus for, for countries to go to war. So... We've really got to get our arms around this problem as nations from uh, a cyber weapon standpoint. We need to get our arms around this problem uh, in terms of going after the criminals who are taking advantage of the fact that nations aren't getting together. And we need to get together as nations and, and companies around the world to share information timely enough so that we can enjoy the fruits and benefits of, of the wonderful technology that's uh, that's been brought to bear in the last 20 years. And if we don't figure out a way to unite on these, these topics, I, I think the consequences will be dire. So in your discussion, you're going to talk about the new demands on nations, on businesses, and on individuals. Give us a preview, please, of what some of these unique demands are. Part of the problem in the digital world is that we don't have norms of behavior. We haven't established these. And I, I went into this a little bit in my RSA keynote in San Francisco in, in February, and, and I'm going to continue that discussion in, in Singapore. How do we create norms of behavior that not only mirror some of what we have in the physical world, but take them to a whole other level that's applicable to the idiosyncrasies of the, of the digital world? 
And I'm going to restate the, the principles that I, that I gave in my keynote that nations need to adopt these, renouncing cyber weapons, cooperating on the apprehension of, uh, of cyber criminals, ensuring that IP is respected and rule of law is respected worldwide and that privacy rights are universally uh, in, enjoyed. But privacy rights have limitations because we don't want to protect criminals who to us harm. And, and more often than not, some of these privacy laws that exist uh, end up protecting the criminals more than they protect us as individual citizens. So those are the kinds of norms of, of behavior that I'm going to be talking about in the speech. But I'm also going to be talking about how we need to uh, to do a better job protecting us, how we need to evolve our defense posture given all of this technology that's been absorbed, given all of the things we talked about earlier in, in the interview. So all of those will be be brought up in in the course of the keynote with uh, with recommendations as to where I think we need to go. All right, a final question for you. Uh, this is a unique event, RSA Asia Pacific. What are some of the elements that make it unique? And for someone who's attending maybe for the first time, what's the best way to maximize the experience? Um, we've tried to mirror uh, a lot of the success that we've had in our San Francisco conference, in our Singapore conference, in our Asia Pacific conference. So I, I would make similar recommendations around taking a look at the at the program tracks. We've got all kinds of different areas that will be, I'm sure, exciting for uh, a whole varied uh, audience that that we do get um, in in attendance. We're going to have an innovation workshop uh, this year. So the strength of the RSA conference has always been the content of the sessions. So we have more sessions than last year. We're up significantly, probably 50% more sessions. So pick the ones that are most relevant and germane to you. We have more vendors exhibiting um, uh, than uh, last year. Again, I think we're up uh, between 50 and 100% in terms of the number of exhibitors there. So There'll be a lot of technologies and a lot of demonstrations that I think will be important for people to understand what the latest and greatest technologies are. Uh, and the keynotes themselves, I, I think, at, at a high level, talk about policy and direction, where we need to head, and, and I think will be good food for thought for any of us in, in, the, uh, in the industry. And one of our, our keynote speakers uh, Andrew McAfee uh, has recently written a book called The Second Machine Age, and, and uh, we're thrilled to have him as a keynoter because he's going to talk about just how much technology is being absorbed and will be absorbed in the next 10 years, and it's an important perspective for all security people to have. All right, it sounds like a great event. Thank you so much for taking time to preview and enjoy your time at the show. Enjoy the dialogue. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me again. The topic has been RSA Asia Pacific. I've been speaking with Art Caviello, Executive Chairman of RSA. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.